Hi, what's up, everybody? My name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments. Hang on, we're just waiting for Instagram to connect. Just give me one second. Fix these, uh, fix these like, <clears throat> oh man, Instagram doesn't want to connect. Yeah, one sec, guys. All right. I'm going to try to exit out of Instagram, put us back in. Hang on one sec. All right, I think we're good. All right, what's up, everybody? We got Instagram finally working. There we go, post that. All right, we're golden. All right, so what's up, everybody? We're on episode 85 of Goals and Updates. It's uh, Monday. So every Monday and Wednesday from about 7 to about like 8, 8.30, or probably like more like 8.15, 8.30, uh, I do an episode called Goals and Updates. We're on episode 85 right now, and I'm trying to get it to uh, – my goal right now is to really hit 100 episodes, and then from there I'm obviously going to have to come up with a new goal. But um, the 100th episode is where I'm going to be very, very impressed with myself because I've never done anything where – I've hit, you know, that it takes a lot of time for these episodes. I'm putting in a lot of time, um, almost an hour and a half for each episode. So you could do the math and multiply that. I don't have the physical number on me, but, um, you know, it's a lot of episodes, right? So today what we're going to do is I'm going to update you guys in my life, what's going on in my life. I do that every single episode. I update you guys where the goals and updates comes into place. Um, I'm going to update you guys on what's going on in my life. Then we're going to talk about two topics. The two topics are going to be stories save lives and the placebo effect is going to be the second topic. So, and then from there, we'll, I'm going to talk about done deal investments with my business. So to start off, we'll talk about what's going on in my life right now. So to update you guys, I got, I got my, uh, my mailed in diploma. So, that, you know, it is kind of, it is cool. Uh, you know, honestly, I think, uh, I think, you know, it is cool to look at it only for the fact that it took, it did take me four years, right? Um, but to me, to me, it's just paper, right? To me, it's honestly just a piece of paper. Uh, yeah, I could, de you know, it's definitely a resume booster. I can definitely use it and put, you know, put a little bit more weight or meat onto a resume. But in all honesty, it's really not worth what a lot of people think it's really worth. So, um, even though I'm, I'm, I am excited that I, that I did get it, I'm just not as hyped as most people are probably more hyped for me to have it. Right. But I, I did do it for myself. Like the reason I went and got a college degree wasn't it wasn't for anyone. It was for myself. Um, I knew going into it and like before I even went to college, I, I kind of knew that I didn't need that to make money. Right. I, I did know that. Uh, the reason why other people around me are excited about it is because, uh, a lot of people doubted that I'd even be able to go to college or I'd be able to do anything. So, um, like, especially like my mom's really proud about it, but, um, to me, it's really just a piece of paper, but I did it for myself. Cause once I got towards the end, it started getting really frustrating because certain things were happening and it was kind of, it, it was kind of getting a little overwhelming towards the end, like different, you know, I had to pay a lot of money out of pocket for like this one class I had to, um, you know, I was, I was kind of stuck in between trying to like make more money at a different job. And then I was trying to push through it to get through this last class. So, you know, it was kind of, it was difficult towards the end. The beginning wasn't so bad. I was taking a lot of easy classes. I was taking, at the time I was working a job where it was very easy to take classes during the morning. And then I just go to work um, at night, right? It got, it was easy at one, at one point when I first started college. Towards the end, it started getting a little harder because now I'm trying to work full time. Uh, the, the place that I, I work at kind of wants me to be there at a certain time. They're very picky. Uh, even though they'll kind of work with you, it's still a challenge because they want you to get there at a certain time. So it's, it, it is difficult. But um, so I, you know, that's that's a big achievement for me to get that degree because uh, you, you're looking at someone that didn't want to, you know, I didn't I didn't want to go to college when I was younger. And the cool thing is I did that debt free, no debt, no student loans. Uh, no, you know, I, I did that debt free. Most people go to college and within their, their first two years, uh, they have some type of debt. I either got grants, paid a little bit out of pocket. Um, you know, I didn't get a, it wasn't free. 
Uh, I, I did get grants. I did get uh, scholarships. I did get certain elements, but I did have to pay, you know, a certain amount of dollars in order to keep it going. Because normally, um, normally it wasn't like every single class was covered. I had to pay a little bit out of pocket, but of course, you know, grants and scholarships did help. But um, the the point that I want to make is, uh, hang on, I think you can still see me. Grammarly tried to take over my computer. All right, so um, the the point that I'm trying to make is that I did it, you know, debt free, and it's possible. So if anyone's kind of like, oh, like I can't go to college and, and, and not, you know, not take out student loans or not do it debt free, uh, you can do it debt free. I'm proof of that. Now, you're probably going to have to put some type of money. Uh, I don't think you can unless you get like a full ride somehow on like a, a sports scholarship. That's the only other way I can think of doing it debt free completely, um, nothing coming out of your pocket. So only way I can think that you could get a, a full college education without ha having to um, put anything out of pocket money-wise. Now, obviously, your time is very, very, uh, very valuable. So even though you're not giving money, you're giving your time, which is actually probably more uh, important than the money because in order to make money, you have to, you have, to have time. Time is money. So, you know, it, it, you're kind of still giving something. Nothing's free, right? Like you have to give something to get the degree. But – um, at least, you know, at least you're not, you know, coming out with loads of student debt and it's like almost impossible to pay it back. But anyway, so moving forward, I, um, the other cool thing that kind of happened to me was I went for, you know, one of the first times I got to hang out with, uh, uh, my one friend, normally it's me, him and his brother. I actually got to go out with him the other night, uh, to a bar and we watched the, the, the championship series for basketball, right? The Golden Gates or the gold, yeah, Golden Gate and the Raptors. I don't know. I don't I th Everyone talks about Canada with the Raptors. So I'm pretty sure they're, pro they're probably from Ont Ont Ontario, Canada, I'm assuming. Right. But um, as you can tell, I'm not, I'm not a sports junkie or anything like that. I don't watch a lot of sports. Normally I, when I watch sports, it's normally like the championship game. It's the final series or the last of it where they're competing uh, for, you know, basically forever, the winner takes all type of, of match. And I, don't, and I always root for the underdog. I don't really root for the, um, the person that really has, has made it uh, consecutively, which I think Golden, the Golden Gates have won two championship game, uh, series in a row. I think that's what he was telling me. So um, it, it was interesting, right? It, like to just sit there, watch a game, and have a chat with him. And for me, it was really interesting because it was the first time that I really got to sit down with him on a one-on-one on -on -one and physically be able to, to pick his brain, talk to him about other things. Like we talked a lot of, about different stuff, but the, the real reason I really wanted to go when he offered it to me was because I'm in his element, right? Basketball is not my element. I, I don't know the players that well. I don't know the teams. So when I went to go and, and have the drink with him at the basket, you know, watch the basketball game at a bar, it, it's not my, my normal territory. It's putting myself out of that comfort zone, right? Even though I'm comfortable talking to uh, my friend, it's still out of my comfort zone to go watch a, a basketball game with him and talk basketball. But the point that I'm bringing this up is because I, we talked a lot about other stuff besides basketball. Talked a little bit about politics. We talked a little bit about um, just life in general, what he's doing, what I'm doing. Um, you know, he runs, he basically runs his father's business. So I was talking to him a lot about like business. We were talking about, you know, just a bunch of random different stuff that I wouldn't have the opportunity to be able to talk to him unless I, I went and went into his element and um, accepted his offer basically to go and sit with him and go, you know, drink a beer eat a burger and, and just watch the, a basketball game. Right. So the point is, you know, sometimes you're going to have to, you have to sacrifice what you're comfortable with. Now I'm not saying that was a massive sacrifice because you know, who doesn't like burgers, beer and, and to watch TV. You know, it's not, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like I'm, I'm completely out of my, my uh, element. Right. But the point that I'm trying to make is sometimes you have to go out of that comfort zone. You have to sacrifice what you want to do for someone else and it, it'll it'll turn out uh, it'll turn out basically turn out for the better, right? So that's uh, that's the one thing that I got to do. That was that was actually yesterday, but that you know it's still an update. But the other thing too, which I've uh, you know 
I made a call today, which I, I like talking about the calls that I make at, uh, at the warranty company just because today was kind of crazy because I, I called the number. I was working the W-9 project, which is where you go and you try to request the W-9 from a service provider, and the number on there was wrong. So when I called the number, the, the customer, the, the actual customer of that account actually, um, actually picked up the phone. Hang on, I'm going to try to fix this. But uh, it's kind of weird too because I'm trying to look into the ca- I'm trying to look into the camera to fix it, and I think I went the wrong way. But yeah, I gotta get a haircut. But anyways, I'm gonna get one tomorrow, so I'll look better for Wednesday. But uh, the point that I'm trying to make is that man, it's bothering me. <laughs> the point that I'm trying to make is I made this call. It's just not gonna work. I'm just gonna leave it. But the call that I made, right? I made I thought it was gonna be the service provider. So I'm basically embraced to talk to a service provider. And as I'm making the intro to the call, the person's like, no, this is that person that, that you call. So I got thrown off, right? And I'm like, okay. And, I'm, and she's like, hey, I've been waiting for someone to call me. And then she went into the her basically her claim for, I believe it was like a refrigerator. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like a refrigerator, right? And she goes into the claim and starts like trying to get me to basically give her answers. Like I don't and she was saying something about we did not we partially denied her at a certain point. And I'm like, you know, at, at this point I'm not that's not why I'm making the call. So now I'm kind of thrown off. But I, I maneuvered through it. I basically asked her, I'm like, you know, I'm calling for this reason. I wasn't really trying to call and get you. I thought this was the number that we had on file for your service provider. I'm trying to get a hold of your service provider. So we can find out if they're going to accept um, direct payment from us. And that way your service provider gets paid. And that way the bill's taken care of where they're not going to you know, harass you, harass us. And that's why I was trying to you know, call the number in the first place. But I'm like, it's, since I have you on the phone and it's your service provider, you know, can you give me their number? And the funniest thing was I was watching this morning. Um, I was watching this morning uh, Cardone University. So for anyone that doesn't know what that is, it's Grant Cardone's own university for sales training. So when I was, I was right now I'm all into cold calling and he, he talks about, and cause he's doing more of like sales cold calling where you're calling someone and you're trying to get them to basically buy your services or buy your product. And it, what the one, the lesson I was on today was him talking about asking questions on the phone. And the reason you're asking certain questions is so the customer opens up more and you understand exactly what they're looking for, what they need. So that way you provide it and that's how you get to, that's how you get to the close and you close them. Right. So I just thought it was funny because I'm like, all right, like I learned this segment this morning. I'm going to ask her for the service provider's number. Right. Cause that's really what I'm after. I'm not after talk. I'm not really after talking to her. That's not my goal here or my mission. My mission is to get the right information from her then if, if, you know, I did call her and she's on the phone already and get the service provider's number so I can call that guy or that, or that company. And so I asked her, she's like, yeah, sure. Give me one second. And she goes, gets paper, gives me the number, tries to, tries to get me to, to work with her on whatever she was doing. Um, and I ended up telling her, you know, if, if you need X, Y, and Z, you have to go to this department and I can give you that information. Right. And then I'm like, um, I'll, we'll inform you whatever happens with the service provider, if they're going to accept for us to directly pay them or if you're going to have to pay them. But I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and call that service provider from the number you just gave me right now. And then we'll inform you once we get to that point um, in this process right now. And she's like, okay. So then hung up with her, I go in and I talk to the service provider and if it was just like a, it was just a weird process. So I go from one weird situation. Now I call the service provider and the service provider is like, Hey, um, yeah, she's like it, you guys aren't going to cover X, Y, and Z. And this server and this, uh, this person is basically, I think it was an estimated, it was an estimate. So they didn't complete the work yet, meaning that they're waiting for approval from the customer to go, to move forward with the work. And she was like, I don't understand. It's taking months. The customer is, um, it keep every single time we give her a estimate, she says like, it can't be this, this, or this. And she's like, now it kind of makes sense that she's trying to work with your company or the, the warranty company to, um, to basically get approval for you guys to approve the work. And she was saying that 
the amount that they're charging is X, Y, and Z, and that we're only going to cover X, Y, and Z, right? Like, or X, right? Of whatever the cost was and whatever the elements that the warranty company or the company I work for is going to cover. So the, the weird part was as soon as I, I'm trying to explain to her, like, yeah, that, that would make sense. Normally what happens is they'll send, you'll send them the estimate, they'll reach out to us, and then we'll work out if it's approved or not for coverage. And so as soon as I said that, she went in and said, well, and starts asking me questions about uh, what we're accepting, what we're not accepting or approving, basically. And I don't have that information, right? Um, the best I can do is look through the notes, but in the end, I don't want to tell them anything because now what happens is all the information gets skewed and I don't want to get caught in the crosshairs of saying, you know, God forbid I tell her something's covered and it's not covered and it comes back on me. So I, I told her, you know, I can, the best I can, you know, the reason I'm calling you is just to see if you guys are going to accept third party billing, which just, and she didn't know what that was, which I thought was kind of. Uh, you know, kind of shocking to me that she didn't know what the third party billing was. But um, I told her, you know, like, I'm just calling to see if you're going to accept payment from us or if it has to be from the customer. And she was like, well, if you're only going to cover a certain amount of money, then it's probably better for the customer to reimburse me directly. And then you guys just reimburse whatever you're going to cover for the customer. And I said, yeah, I totally agree. I 100% agree with you. Like, that's my, my uh, mentality on it as well. Uh, it would make more sense for the customer to reimburse or the customer to pay you directly and us to reimburse the customer and whatever we're, we're liable for coverage on. And she was like, yeah, that's perfect. And she tried to, again, explain like, you know, what's covered, what's not covered. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not here to do that. I'm like, I'm just, I'll put it in my notes that, um, you know, I talked to you and that you're not going to accept direct payment from us. The customer has to pay you. And I'm like, I'll, you know, I'll contact the customer and let that customer know that they're going to have to pay you directly and we'll just reimburse them for whatever um, is covered and what's not covered. And the, the service provider is like, all right, perfect. But like, it was just weird because like both people, right, both parties, the customer and the service provider when I was on the phone, tried to, to wing me off course, right? I had a mission. I knew exactly what I wanted and what I didn't want basically. And both of them tried to maneuver me out of it. And it got, it got like, it got tricky. But the funniest part about the whole entire call, by the way, is uh, when I was talking to the customer originally, I'm like, all right, you're going to have to, if you want answers to, you know, coverage and stuff like that, you're going to have to contact customer support. And I, I went to give her the email. And the people, as soon as I hung up the phone, I went to call the service provider. The people behind me in my row, right, in my department uh, are like, oh, why would you give her that number? Now you're going to give us more work. And I'm just, I'm, I was like stunned. I'm like, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that's what I have to give her. Like, I have to give her, um, the, like, that's our job. Our job is to direct her to the right department. And that's, that's the position that I approach it as. Like, my job is not to handle the complaint. My job is not to handle the disputes or the denials. My job is to make sure that we get her to the right department for the answers. Same thing with the service provider, right? Um, so, you know, that, that's the, that's the role of my job. That's what I have to do. And, and I'm like, you know, in my mind too, like, you know, I just agreed with the person that said it, but in my mind, I'm like, you know, it's, it, what's the difference if it's one more person, right? It's just one person that would have to send you an email and you just reply to the email and send her to a different department. But the, the funniest part is that they don't want to work right? That's the culture at that company is that the people within the company do not want to work. And it's just funny how I was on a phone call, wasn't even paying attention to the other people around me. I'm so busy on the phone call. And as soon as I hang up to go to the next phone call, the person that's doing something completely different is telling me that I shouldn't tell, you know, I shouldn't give them that information uh, because they don't want to do the work. They don't want to get that email and do the work which is very, very ironic, right? Like that means she probably wasn't doing anything if she's overhearing my phone call. She's not busy enough, uh, first of all. But the, I just thought it was really funny. Like I was, I, and I just agreed with her and I was just like, you know, I, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, I don't know what you, what you want to, you know, what kind of information you want me to give her. And I was like, by the way, I'm like, I wasn't really expecting to talk to a, I wasn't expecting to talk to that type of person. My, you know, I was in the mindset of, okay, I'm going to talk to a service provider. 
and I got to say X, Y, and Z so they understand who I am. I only have 15 seconds to let them know who I am and to try to get information, um, you know, I got to try to get them on the same page within 15 seconds for them to give me the information or else they're probably going to hang up on me. I only have 15 seconds to make sure they know who I am. So my mindset was on the service provider. It wasn't on the customer. And I was like, I, you know, it shocked me when the customer picked up the phone and was like, Hey, this, you know, this, that is me like that. I am the customer. Right. So, you know, it, it's just weird, but I just think it's funny how they, they're trying to tell me like, Oh, like that was stupid that you gave her that. Cause that's going to come back to us and we're going to have to work it. But, and the funny thing is they're not even going to work it. They're just going to take the email, right? They're going to receive the email and they're just going to be like, okay, like, She's complaining about the denial, which is probably what, that's probably what was going to happen because she was telling me, she's like, you know, I don't understand why you're not covering this and you, and you're only covering these items. And, um, and so she would have emailed us that and it would have, it would have went to complaints because complaints would have dealt with that. It's a complaint, right? So that's all they would have done. They would have just sent the email to complaints and it's not their problem anymore, right? So I just think it's funny. Like they're, they're telling me not to, and it's one person. It's not like it's going to make a massive difference on the, on the workload form. It's one person that I told, told them to contact the email. Right. Um, but I just thought it was really funny. I, and I felt like I had to share that cause that's, that's, you know, updated my life. Something that I, I did where, um, was unexpected and I overcame it. Right. I, I figured out the solutions. I worked with, you know, two separate different parties and I, I came up and, and I, I'm pretty sure I helped them out you know, the best way that that company would allow me to do it. And I'm pretty sure the company would be pretty satisfied of how I handle uh, the complaints and the arguments. And, um, you know, and for me, I was pretty, I was pretty satisfied when I got off the phone too. Right. So that was an update. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I can give you. There hasn't really been any, um, there hasn't really been too much of like massive, uh, like change. The only thing I can tell you is uh, like the diploma was like the biggest thing I think that happened to me this week so far was a diploma. Uh, the next thing I'm working on is training. I did, I can update you on this where, um, the more I talk about done deal investments, it seems like the more, actually I can give you two since we're talking a little bit about like my, my business a little bit. But the first one was I was playing golf uh, yesterday morning at like seven in the morning. And I, you know, they were asking me questions because I play with the same people. I play with my mom. I play with, uh, I believe she's 84. It's an 84 year old lady. And I, sometimes we play with this one, one person and we normally play with this other person who's, uh, he works, but he plays a lot of golf. I think he plays like two or three times a week and he normally gives me the tips. That's why I like playing with him. Cause like, he'll tell me like, if I mess up and you know, I go to tee off and I mess up, like, hey, you weren't holding the club right. Uh, you weren't, you know, you weren't, uh, your knees weren't bent. The way you swung, you swung too far up and you missed it and, and tipped the top of the ball rather than getting the full ball. You know, he'll give me the tips, especially things like when you're in the sand trap. He gives me amazing tips. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've done actually like my, my shots out of the sand trap have been like crazy good because he, he just gives me the tips. He's like, hey, you got to swing a little bit behind the, the ball. And you got to follow through with it. And he's like, you'll pick up the sand and you'll pick up the ball and it, and it'll actually slow down the momentum of the ball and it'll just lift enough where it goes over the top of the sand trap. And then you'll, you know, you'll hit it closer to the, to the hole. And, you know, there's like a couple times where I did and I was really close to making it in from the sand trap. Like it's, and that it's, it's hard. Sand trap is not an easy play to do, but, um, but yeah. So in that sense, you know, when we were going and playing golf, uh, the one lady we work with, you know, she's like, so how's the business going? How are you doing this? And we're like catching up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm working on, you know, home inspections now. Because uh, the big thing I tell everyone is, you know, now I'm taking a year off of school. And, you know, everyone's so caught up in college. They think college is the answer to everything. But the funniest thing to me with college is when you say college, um, pe people know the college system in the United States of America is very, very broken. Right? Everyone knows it's broken. But, uh, and they'll be like, oh, like, you know, it's a shame that this is broken. This doesn't work. But everyone, when you say that you're taking time off from school and you're going to do something else, they, they panic. They're like, oh, you got to go to college. You got to do this, right? They freak out. And I never understood that, by the way, because if everyone knows that it's a broken system, um, I don't understand why everyone's so gung-ho on forcing you and telling you that you have to go to college. 
I, that's the one thing I never really understood. We all know it's not, it's not the answer to making wealth in the United States of America, but we all push it. And I, and I never understood that. I think it's more of a, um, I really think it's more of a comfort thing where it's like, oh, like it's a safety blanket. If you have a degree, you're more likely to go and be able to go make a certain um, middle income right? It's like that safety blanket. That's what I really think it comes down to is like, oh, it's comfort, but uh, you're safe. Like I was talking to a banker one time and he said the same thing. He was like, yeah, he's like, I understand that it, you know, it's not going to make you a lot of, lot of money. And this is someone that has money, by the way, he's a banker. Um, and he's like, but you know, it's always good to have it because it's a safety blanket. God forbid you have to go on a plan B like it's there. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that, but it's, it's the way we promote it. Like, it's just, you know, it's the way you promote it. But um, the point that I want to make is uh, I was telling her, like, I'm going to take off a year of college and I'm going to start doing some training. And I told this to two other, I told this to uh, two other people. I went out to uh, um, kind of like a, a, I guess like a, a dinner date or whatever, uh, where we were catching up with um, my mom's old, well, it was one of her old uh, bosses, right? It was one of her old bosses and her, and her husband. And we went out and like, we all kind of, we all kind of keep in touch. I talked to them, you know, once in a while and I was just talking to them, updating them on what I'm doing. And I said, you know, I'm going to take off a year of college. And then they like, like she kind of freaked out and she was like, what? Oh, you're taking a year off. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, don't worry. I'm like, I'm still, I have plans on kind of going back. Um, and that's if it works out to what I'm trying to do, because if it, if it requires me to take out loans, I'm not doing it. Like it's not worth it. But if I can try to get the next thing, uh, without paying or hardly paying for anything and make it more affordable, then, you know, it, it's okay. But, you know, I'm still, like I'm telling you, I'm still at that that point where um, is it really worth it? Like, is it going to get me to where I want to go? And that's something I'm working out right now. So I got that year of time off to, to, to figure out if that's what I need to do to get to where I need to go. But at the same time, I'm still, I'm still pushing education on myself a different way. Like I'm going into more of a real estate approach where I'm trying to get inspector, uh, home inspection put onto my business. Right. And I got to go take courses for home inspections. And then I got to go and go take, you know, some real estate. I want to take some real estate courses. So I'm still pushing education, just not what uh, most people consider it when they hear of education, they think of college. I'm looking at it in a different way. I need to get education that they don't teach really in college. Uh, like, you know, the markets, uh, how to read certain things. I need to go and get some more knowledge on um, like the, the actual structure of a building. Right. So knowledge that'll help me throughout my business that college will not provide for me. That's what I'm going to start doing within that year, which I'm working on right now. And that's what I was trying to tell them. And they're like, Oh, okay. It makes a lot of sense. But when we were playing golf, kind of switching between different people. But when I was playing golf and I was explaining that, she went, oh, that's great. She's like, like when you get certified and everything, would you be able to do my home? So what it got me thinking was uh, back to what I learned from Grant Cardone's Cardone University. All right. And the reason I'm telling you this is because uh, it, it's information that'll help you. Um, and I, you know, I'll, I'll you know, I, I put the time in to learn it. And I'll give it to, and I'll just share it with you. I mean, knowledge is potential power, right? So what I learned is what they say, they say when you sell or when you do something, you start internally. Kind of how I, I talk about um, with the podcast, I'm trying to, right now it's only Facebook and Instagram that I stream the, the actual live streams on. So that's my internal base. That's what they consider an internal base where it's people that know you personally, right? People that have some way, shape or form that, that mostly know you on a personal level at some point, right? So that's internally it. Now, the next move is to go externally, people that really don't know you and reach a bigger audience, which is what I'm trying to do eventually, uh, where I'm going to start uploading it and do a YouTube channel. I'm going to start putting the podcast on iTunes. I'm going to start putting it in different places to expand the, the audience that I can reach, the potential that I can reach, and start building a bigger audience out of people that don't physically have uh, connection with or I don't physically know and that's what um, that's what that's what that was in that moment right she's like oh you're going for home inspections I could definitely use one of those let me know when you get licensed and she's like you could do it for me 
right? So what I would do in that case is like, I already started thinking as I'm playing golf on that, right? Because I'm constantly thinking something happens. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect. I start thinking about it. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, when I start doing the free home inspections, I'll just do hers for free and I'll just have her do a review for me, right? So, and it'll be practice because, you know, at that point I, I won't, you know, I'll have the knowledge and everything, but, you know, it'll give me more experience along the way, right? It'll give me more experience um, and she'll be able to give me a review, right? And I'll give her a service for free and she'll feel good about it. I'll feel good about it because I'm helping someone that I really know. And at the same time, she's helping me out, right? Give me the review. So that's one update too, by the way. But I think that's basically everything I can think of. Nothing crazy has happened to me uh, this week. It's, but little things have, you know, been piling up. And I've been, I, I've been pretty grateful uh, for this last week because certain things have happened where it kind of gave me a little bit of a self-confidence booster where I'm like, all right, I'm starting to see a little bit of progress here and I'm starting to see a little bit of progress there, right? So... All right, so that's that. So now we're going to go into these two topics since we're, uh, you know, I, I updated you on my life. The first topic is going to be story save lives. Now, when I wrote this, I listened to, um, if anyone watches the goals and updates uh, consistently, you'll know that I watch a lot of motivational videos. Motivational uh, speakers are constantly talking about stories. Um, you'll hear stories regardless if you're listening to a motivational speaker. You'll hear stories, the news, right? Even though it's, it's mostly negative storytelling, it's still stories, right? A motivational speaker is just speaking about positive stories, positive outcome. Normally, the stories become first negative, and then there's a positive outcome towards the end of the story, but it's all stories. If you're, if you're religious, no matter what type of religion you are, it's all storytelling. For instance, Christianity, Catholics, go by the Bible. The Bible's all storytelling. Uh, if you're, I believe the Quran is if you're uh, Muslim, that's all storytelling. Uh, Judaism, they call it, I'm trying to think of their book. Um, damn, I had kind of a brain fart. I can't think of what they call, it'll probably hit me later on, but even in Judaism, in Judaism, they have their own type. They don't call it the Bible. They call it, uh, I can't think of, I can't think of the word they call their book of uh, stories, but they have stories, right? They have a book of stories similar to a Bible. But the point that I'm trying to make here is everything you've ever grown up with started out with a story. You're working on your story right now. But, right, because you started off, right, you were born there's going to be an end in your life. Within that time period is your story, your life story. Everyone has a life story. So what I, what I started thinking about was um, stories save lives for the sense that when you tell someone about your story, it saved that person uh, some type of heartache. It saved that person in some way, shape, or form if they were listening to your story. And, you know, I, I had this conversation the other day with one of my, uh, the same person I went out to go eat with. Um, I, you know, I try not to use names too much because I don't know uh, who, you know, even though it's like the first name, I, you know, I don't know if people are comfortable with me uh, tell, you know, telling you their names or, you know, I, so I try to try to keep it where I can tell you about what happened, but it's not giving too much information on that other person. But I was talking to this person in the car and we were talking about motivational uh, speeches. And I was just like, you know, I listen. Um, I listen to a lot of motivational speeches. I was telling him about Inky Johnson and his story. Uh, shockingly, he told me, he was like, yeah, I, list I used to listen to a lot of motivational speeches. And I used to get up at 5 in the morning every single day and work. And he's like, it got to a point where I kind of just stopped doing it. And he's like, I kind of want to. He's, and he was just telling me, like, you know, I kind of want to change my life. I kind of want to do this. I kind of want to do that. He's like, I kind of want to start getting up early again. Um, he, he's, a, he's a heavy smoker. He, I think he told me he's been smoking for, like, 15 years. And he was like, you know, I really want to quit cigarettes. And, um, and I'm like, you know, it's possible. And I saw him this story that I saw in a motivational uh, speaker by uh, Tony Robbins and about how he was a smoker before and he quit and he was trying to – before he even did motivational speaking, he was like a life coach and he was trying to help people quit smoking. 
and he is helping this one guy and ended up kind of breaking him almost like if you went into the army, how they mentally uh, break you. And then they kind of make you into a new person. And that's kind of what he did with the one guy that couldn't stop smoking. He kind of mentally broke him and got the guy to realize um, that he really didn't want to smoke anymore. And it was just interesting because uh, it kind of reminds me after this, uh, this actual goals and updates podcast, I have to actually find the video and send it to him because he was actually really curious when I was telling him the story. And he actually wanted me to find the video and send it to him. But um, stories save lives, right? Um, we've all heard, I can give you, I can give you a lot of different examples for this. Cause like, it's not very hard to find a very, very great story that most people uh, know. The biggest one is nine 11, right? Nine 11. There's a bunch of stories related to nine 11, the firefighters and, and police officers that, you know, went and tried to save as many people as they possibly could, uh, could from the burning building, uh, which, you know, that's, that's, it that'll never go like that's part of you know the united states uh history is is 9-11 right you'll hear that every every september 11th the stories of um you know brave americans uh firefighters and police officers that have constantly gone out and, and tried to save these people from that burning building and some of them even lost their lives when the building collapsed they were still trying to get people out but you know that's th- those are stories right and i'm sure there's even individual stories that people that actually survived 9-11 have probably been talking about that, you know, you probably searched on YouTube or, you know, they might even have been traveling the world and telling the story about someone that passed away in the burning building of 9-11, um, like a firefighter or, or some type of uh, rescuer that, you know, went in there and, and was a brave individual and, and saved people. The other one I can give you is um, I can't think of the name they gave the, the people, but there was a plane. I'm just hoping you can't hear uh, the TV. That my door is open. Just give me one second, guys. Give me one sec. My bad, guys. I have a little bit of uh, technical difficulties here. I, I don't. I don't know if you guys could hear the. The TV, I didn't want to, you know, I don't want that in the background. But anyways, so I don't remember the, the name they gave the, the people, but there was a plane that was supposed to hit the Pentagon, right? The plane was supposed to hit the Pentagon, and the, the actual passengers in the plane um, overtook, you know, they, they fought the terrorists that were on the plane, and they ended up forcing the plane to crash before it could even hit the the pentagon right and they saved a lot of a lot of uh civilians from not hitting the pentagon there's a lot of people that work in the pentagon and so that's stories that you know are heroic and they give you a little bit of pride to be an american and they give you um you know different elements of motivation in your life like hey if like these people could band together that didn't know each other and save you know thousands of lives uh you know why can't you do something that you know maybe you're a little scared of doing right? So my point is, uh, you know, stories save lives, right? You can take any motivational speaker like Tony Robbins, Les Brown, uh, even, you know, people that maybe you don't really know, like, like mine was Inky Johnson. I didn't really know too much on Inky Johnson, but, you know, those people save lives, right? Because the stories that they tell will go and help someone that really needed that booster of self-esteem or self-pride. And they'll tell that story and then it'll, they'll resonate with it and they'll change the way they're thinking, right? Because it is the mindset, right? That's why I created this show, right? It's the mindset. Your mindset is everything. So, you know, those are people that are constantly telling stories, you know? And the crazy thing is, you know, most storytelling does in some way, shape, or form revolve around scriptures. So, you know, if you're not really religious, you know, you're kind of following some type of scripture without you really understanding that you're following that scripture. You just don't, you know, you're not very religious, so you're not, you're not thinking of it in that way. But most stories are involving some type of scripture. So, you know, and that's really interesting. But I'm trying, I want to give you another one because I, I did, you know, 9-11 is a pretty good one. Um, I, they call it like flight. The one that I gave you after that one is uh, flight. Uh, I can't think of the name they gave it. Like, like flight uh, something, right? But I can't think of the name. But 
Um, I can give you some other stories, right? So, or something that came out of this one. This one's probably not really like a story. Actually, it is kind of a story that saved a lot of lives, to be honest with you, if the way you think about it. But when I was eating dinner with um, uh, some friends, he explained to me that um, they never had on the space shuttle, they never had an exit, right? It was it was made so you couldn't escape the shuttle. And when the um, the one shuttle that, you know, had the teachers on it, I, you know, I forget the names. I'm really bad with memory on, like, names and, and stuff. But you're saying the one shuttle that came down and basically burnt up and the, 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 they had, like, a teacher on there. They have all types of different people, and they were going to go to space. Uh, and then it, the, the spaceship didn't work. Something, like, exploded, and they, I don't think they fully made it to the atmosphere. And when they were coming down, they, they died from the impact of falling, he said. He said most people thought they burnt up. Uh, it wasn't because they burnt up. It was because they, they couldn't exit the spacecraft, and when the spacecraft came falling down, they basically fell to their death. And he was saying that after that incident happened, they then started putting exits on the, on the space shuttle and to like basically prevent that from happening again. Uh, to basically save the lives of other astronauts that were going to eventually venture into space for whatever space missions they had. And if that ever happened again, they could at least escape and use, you know, maybe like a parachute or, or some, you know, some form of, uh, you know, coming down safely back down to the ground in some way, shape or form. But he said that's why those people, you know, ended up dying was they, when they first built the space, uh, spacecraft or the space shuttle, they didn't have any exits. And so they basically were just stuck in the space, uh, the space, um, the spacecraft or the space, uh, I just said the word too. I don't know. I always lose the word, but the spacecraft. And so it was kind of interesting, right? But that story, like, will save hundreds and thousands of other astronauts because, uh, with that story became, you know, something that they invented, right? So to me, like, you know, that's, that's what I'm trying to talk about, you know, the stories. And same thing with, you know, I, I've done speeches at Toastmasters. And I feel like I resonate with people when I speak because I don't just make up a story. I talk from stuff that I believe in. So when I do a speech, I really talk about what's inside of me. Uh, emotionally, like, you know, I, I talk about what I truly believe in. And I think that's why, you know, sometimes I feel like, wow, that was a really, really good speech because I'm not just speaking. Um, I'm basically inciting what I truly, you know, believe in. So it gives it more power to that speech. And, you know, I, I've talked about self-worth in, in one of my speeches and I kind of, you know, I don't think anyone would, maybe they would, they probably, maybe they would tell you. But most people probably wouldn't tell you. But, you know, it might might have helped some people that were in there. Like, there's all types of different age groups that are actually at Toastmasters. You, you know, you have a lot of, you know, some older people, people that are, like, in their, you know, mid-level of life. You have people that are towards uh, just the beginning stages of their lives, uh, young 20s. Um, I don't think we've had anyone that was, like, 18 really, like, actually become a member of the club. But, um, you know, sometimes we get different guests where they're young and they and we'll allow them to um, participate in the meeting, but they're not, you know, I don't think they can qualify. You have to be, I think, at least 18 to be able to register as a member of the club. But the other thing that was kind of interesting, too, was I was telling these stories uh, about, you know, when I was going up and doing these speeches, kind of what I'm just telling you about right now with, like, the self-worth speech. And I was telling it to my other friends, and they're like, you know, like, it would be kind of interesting if we could just come as a guest and sit down with you, you know, just sit down and watch you give a speech. And I brought it up again to, uh, today, or not today, yesterday. I brought it up yesterday and I was like, if you guys are really serious about it, I'll definitely, when I go to give us the next speech, I'll definitely make sure that I inform you guys when I'm going to give the next speech. And then you guys can just show up and watch the speech and do whatever you guys want and just come as guests and just watch me speak. Like, I'd be pretty awesome. I, you know, I'd appreciate uh, the feedback that you guys would give me from the speech. And, you know, and they were like, yeah, for sure, we'll, we'll do that. So, you know, it's kind of, it was interesting to me that from me, from like, because they've never seen me. They like, they, I've gone to Toastmasters before and I've come back and met up with them after, dressed, you know, dressed really professionally. 
And I've gone back and I'm like, it went well, man, I won this award or I, I did this or I, you know, I got this and I'm really happy and stoked that I got this. And they're like, wow, man, like, and they're the ones that pitched me that idea. They're like, hey, can we just come and watch you speak? Right? So through my stories, through my stories of telling them, hey, I'm winning this, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. They got, they were intrigued and they're like, hey, like, we would love to come and just sit down and watch you speak and just be part of the audience and just watch you speak. And I'm like, for sure. Right? So uh, I think it's because like, I honestly think it's because I'm telling them the stories and it, it, and they're not, they're not false stories. Like they're stories of my life. Right. And I'm like, Hey, like I went into this speech and I, and I got this and they're intrigued that I'm winning things and I'm doing uh, certain elements that I'm telling them that I want to do uh, certain elements that I want to do with my life. And I'm actually going forward and I'm actually committing to, to achieving the goals that I have set in place. And I'm like, you know, I really want to, you know, I want to speak in front of a, lo- a large audience and do a motivational speech one day. And, you know, that's just part of it. Like, I, I really would enjoy doing, um, becoming like a professional motivational speaker and, and start helping people um, and motivate them in their life to go and do something great with their lives. And, you know, with the, you know, the grace of God, I could definitely do that. And that's, you know, that's just, it's just a dream that I have, a goal that I have in my life. And they, I, they see that and they're like, Hey man, you're committing, like you're going like almost every single Tuesday and you're, and you're winning speeches and you're doing stuff and you're trying and you're, and you're putting in the work and you're doing that. So, you know, through those stories that I've been telling them and they're like, Oh man, like I'm kind of impressed. Like, let me go and, and see what you're doing. So though, so that stories save lives. We're going to go into the second topic, which is the placebo effect. So the reason I picked this was, um, I believe that most people, if you ever ask them about the placebo effect, uh, it's kind of, you know, like college. Everyone knows the system's broken, but everyone tries to push that college is the key. It's the answer. That's how you're going to make money, right? Um, it's the same idea with the placebo effect. If you to ask anyone about the placebo effect, they'll tell you exactly what it is. If you don't know what the placebo effect is, what it basically is, is um, they mostly do this with scientific studies where they go and they say, hey, we're going to go and get 30 people and half of them, 15 of the people are going to get the real medication. Like let's say they wanted to test a certain medication on how, how it, you know, how you, your body reacts to the medication and they're going to test it on 30 subjects. That's who's in the, te- the, the actual testing uh, site It's 30 people. 15 uh, 15 people are going to get the real medication and 15 other people are going to get a sugar pill. So they're not going to get the real medication. They're only going to get what they think is a real pill like everyone else, but it's really not. 15 of them are going to get a uh, fake pill that doesn't do anything. It's just just sugar water or sugar. And what they find out with what they call the placebo effect is all 30 people end up reacting the same right and the the, and so what happens is you're probably you know if you don't know what it is and i'm explaining it to you you're probably telling yourself well how could that be the conclusion that they came up with is that your mind is so powerful that because you really believe and don't know that it's a fake pill that your intentions from taking because what you think is the real pill you're thinking that you're taking this real pill that you're actually going to get these effects. So your mind is so powerful that even though it doesn't know and it really believes that it's the real pill, your mind controls how your body reacts and that your mind is so powerful that your, your body actually really begins to feel the effects. And everyone will talk to you about the placebo effect. Like I'm telling you like 90% of people you like encounter and you ask them about the placebo effect, they'll know exactly what it is. Right. But people, when it comes down to, oh, it's about your beliefs, right? It's about, you know, if you want to be wealthy, you want to have a happy life, you want to, you know, achieve something that people are telling you is impossible. It starts with the mindset and you tell them that and you're like, it starts with how you're thinking about yourself. It starts with your belief. Your belief system is key, which comes down to mental toughness, which is all related to how you're thinking, right? People say, oh, that's crazy. That doesn't work. Like you're, you're like, you're just saying that that doesn't work. People can't picture it, right? People can't imagine like, oh, if I just change my belief system, if I change 
how I think, how I change mentally, how I, I think about myself or obstacles or stress, that it'll be different. They, they can't believe that. But when you tell them the placebo effect, they know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, they, you know, they, they go, yeah, the mind is a powerful thing. They'll actually probably agree with you that the mind is very, very powerful. But they don't believe by changing their beliefs, changing the way they're thinking. Um, I, had a, I had an issue when I was dating my ex-girlfriend, uh, you know, girlfriend at the time, that's ex-girlfriend, but um, we were we were politically different, right? Which, but, you know, if, if you know me, I, I don't care what political side uh, you are on, but what I was trying to explain to her was, you know, because she was talking about how she was Spanish, she was a woman, and that she won't amount to anything in the United States of America, uh, America because... Uh, she has a disadvantage because she's a woman and she's Spanish, which, um, you know, she was, you know, had Spanish background in her, but, uh, you know, looked, you know, looked more white than, than Spanish, but she considered herself Spanish, which is, you know, fine. It's, it, it is, you know, that's, that's what she believes. But the point that I was trying to make her is, uh, yeah, you're right, but you're right in the wrong way. And she was like, what do you mean? And I go, well, you're right because whatever you believe will happen. So if you really believe that because you're a minority that you can't make it in the United States of America because you're a woman and you're Spanish, yeah, you're right because your belief system is what's going to push you forward and is what is going to cause you to get what, you know, what you're thinking about and what you're actually achieving and what you're actually trying to strive for. That's, that's, what, you, that's what you don't understand. And she didn't understand that. Like she kind of understood the belief system part, but she was like, no, you're wrong. Like it's not, that's not how it works. And I was like, yeah, it, it is. Because think about it psychologically. If you're telling yourself, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. What's probably going to happen? You're probably not even going to attempt it. It's like food, right? Uh, you probably know someone that's a very, very picky eater and you'll, you'll go to them and, and you can eat it, right? And it's like you probably ate it and you're like, oh, this is actually pretty good, right? And it probably doesn't even look good. Most people judge things by the appearance of food and they, don't, they, they think too much on the food. They go, oh, it looks disgusting. I don't want to try that. So they don't try the food. I, when I eat, I don't think. I just eat the food and, I, and I, try to, I try to like, okay, this texture was that. You know, I try to think, I think after I eat it, right? Like, okay, is this really good? Like, what does it kind of taste like? Uh, what can I comp compare the taste to? Um, but most people, when they look at it, they go, oh, I don't even want to touch that. And my question to everyone is, you know, when they, when they do that, whenever I see someone do it, it was with my ex-girlfriend a lot where she'd be like, oh, it looks disgusting. I'm not going to attempt to eat that. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, so you don't like that? And she's like, no. And I was like, how do you know you don't like that? You didn't even try it. And she's like, because I know I'm not going to like it. And I'm like, but how do you know you didn't try it? So the point is that she taught, she, she already, her belief on it was, I'm not going to like it already because it just looks disgusting. I'm not even, I'm not even going to attempt it. It looks disgusting. I'm not going to like it. So her belief system forced her to basically go, yeah, I'm not going to like that. I'm not even going to try it. Right? So that's what I'm trying to explain to you is that uh, the reason I picked the placebo effect was uh, it's kind of like, it, it's almost like straight evidence that you know what i'm kind of trying to tell you is real like we know it's real uh it's scientifically proven that that's you know that's what it is like it's your your mental state is the most powerful thing you have it's the most powerful tool you have is uh is your mind your mindset right your mind controls everything your brain controls every part of your body nerves um muscle movement everything becomes comes right back to the brain right that's the central part of of your whole entire uh body is the brain so it's all mental right most people understand that too by the way most people know your brain controls uh, like 99 you know like basically everything in your body but yet people have a hard time understanding the mindset part of it right so my point is you know you have to you got to change the way you're thinking uh the reason i gave you the example of her was she really believed that she had a disadvantage and I was trying to tell her uh you know it's it's what it's how it's how you perceive it it's your belief system um and I was trying to I was trying to get that through to her like you know like uh, I understand why you would think that 
but it's, you know, it, it, no matter what side you think about it, it comes down to your beliefs. That's why I don't agree with like 95% of what comes from the left, by the way. Uh, Cause it, 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 it's, it's, it's trying to force you to think a certain way. That's not true. They're trying to change your, your beliefs. They're trying to change the way you're thinking on something, which we know is like 99%, you know, BS. And that's why, you know, to me, it's kind of funny when people try to, you know, when people try to argue, uh, like some type of, some type of political argument from the left and they can't, they can't really like build like a scientific type of equation around it. Uh, or they can't really give you much facts about it. It's because it's not true. It's because it's based on, on false pretenses. Uh, it's because, you know, it's, it's the way you think it's your belief. But if the funny thing too, is like, and this is both sides, by the way, if you're, if you're Republican or you're Democrat, but if you ever realize like, because, you know, I'm not saying the right's always right. Right. But has like three rights in, in one sentence, but the, the point that I'm trying to make is if you go to talk to someone that's very, very hardcore to the right. And if you talk to someone very hardcore to the left, and you know there's something where, like, maybe both sides are not very lo- – you know, both sides are kind of not really looking at it. This is where I guess it would, like, in, uh, more of an independent kind of mindset would look at it. And you know there's kind of, like, both sides kind of have a point. But, like, both of them are so stuck on each side that they can't figure out, like, if they would just look at it and listen to each other, they would see the similarities in what they're talking about and that maybe it's, it's a little bit of both together. That's because their belief systems is so brought upon either the right or the left that they can't maneuver around the belief system that they have and they can't see the common ground or they can't see the middle of the argument, right? They're too stuck in the belief of whatever they're on. And that comes from both sides. But that's, that's another example I can give you is uh, there's certain elements where, you know, you could, you know, the left kind of has some half truth to it and the right kind of has some half truth to it, but you know, it's really in the middle of both, right? Not a lot of the topics, I'm going to be honest with you, are like that. Um, but there are some topics where they're kind of, you know, they're kind of, they're, they're there. Like I could give you um, an example on a political argument, uh, which would be climate change, right? Climate change uh, which is, you know, which is kind of the funny thing is both sides agree on climate change, right? It's the argument around how much the climate is really changing. Now, the left will say that the right uh, doesn't believe in climate change. It's, it's, far, it's the farthest truth that anyone could, uh, could tell you. It's not even truth. No one denies climate change. And if they deny climate change, they're, they're not, you know, they're not living in the 21st century. They're living on some other planet. Um, the view, I, the, what I'm going to do for this one, you don't think I'm completely trying to throw you off here, is I'm going to give you what the right considers as climate change and what the left definition of climate change is. And then, you know, you make your own assumption, but um, they both agree. This is the middle point of the argument. they both sides agree on climate change in the sense that climate change is real. No one's denying climate change is not real. Now, the difference, this is where either, you know, your the belief would be far left or far right. The right thinks that climate change is actually occurring, but it's just been, it's naturally been changing over time. Uh, from the dinosaurs back until now, the 21st century, the climate has always been changing but we don't know how much consumption is coming from, uh, or, con- or, yeah, like consumption from humans are causing the most of the climate change. We don't know how much. Like scientifically proven, we don't really have a real number that tells you that humans are causing the most of climate change. Like we understand that humans are contributing to some length, right? But if you take any type of climate, type of change think about tectonic plates those are not caused by humans that's natural over time we were once considered pangea which was one continent broke apart into different into different continents right so that was all from natural climate change that was from natural tectonic plate movement 
had nothing to do with humans, had nothing to do with animals, had nothing to do with species on Earth, just natural climate change. Uh, same thing with uh, the, the ice, you know, ice melting and stuff. Um, now, this is where the left would just, you know, argue and say that humans are mostly causing the climate to warm. And that's why the, the, ice, the ice caps are melting and causing um, the water levels to basically be higher. And that's how they're predicting that, you know, Florida is going to be underwater. California is going to be underwater because the, the sea levels are rising and the land isn't rising, obviously. So it's going to come over the land. That's the left's argument, um, which I, the funny thing is, I think recently they've had some scientific studies going on, and the ice cap, the ice caps in like Alaska, uh, not Alaska, I think it's um, the North Pole, or I think it's the North Pole, where they're actually starting to form back up. They're starting to, they're starting to refreeze, right? They're starting to basically come back to life and refreeze. And so the funny thing is, like the argument kind of gets thrown out now because now you know you're saying that we're causing all these pollute you know pollutants you're causing all this global warming but now why is the ice cap starting to freeze back up and go back to its natural state uh you know it's probably just because it's natural it's 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 the natural environment that's just causing it to probably melt and it's natural that it's causing it to refreeze back up uh you know we haven't really changed too much right it's not from us it's not from us changing our ways it's you know it's it's just natural it's natural causes uh, obviously, I can't prove that to you, right? So that's why this is kind of crazy because there's really not, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of evidence that really points 100% in either direction, right? There's a lot of scientists that will agree with climate change more to the left, but even when you talk to them, they even say like, I can't tell you that this is 100% sure. Like the one guy came down here and, and I went to Broward College at the time. Speaker came down and was talking about about the ice caps, right? Milting and that Fort Lauderdale is going to be underwater and all that stuff. And that he, and that he's working with president Obama during his presidency that uh, they're trying to find ways to, to fix this issue. And he's like, the only, he's like, the only theory that makes sense is that we're causing global warming and that the ice, the icebergs are melting and it's causing more water. Basically what I just told you uh, in the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes of this uh, segment that I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, the waters are, the, the levels of the oceans are rising and that that's what's going to happen. Like we're just predicting. And he's like, um, it's just a prediction. I can't tell you it's a hundred percent going to happen. But at the same time, he's like, I can't even tell you that it's a hundred percent the reason of the, the ice caps. He's like, it's just a theory. He's like, I'm pre he's like, we're about 95 to like 90% sure, or we're pretty, you know, we're pretty sure on the argument. But he's like, I can't tell you 100% that that's what's causing uh, this issue. And I can't 100% tell you that it's from human consumption, basically. But he's like, this is the issue and that, you know, that's what I'm here to talk about. But even the scientist himself was, was saying, I can't, I, I can't tell you it's 100% of this. He's like, we're just like this certain that it is this. Um, so that's, that's what I mean by there's not, there's theory, it's theories. What are theories? Theories are just the best explanation. I don't know why I kind of got stuck on that. Explanation or explanation. Damn, it's going to be weird. It's going to be a long one, right? It's going to be a long episode. But uh, the best idea of what's really going on, like why is this happening, right? That's the best thing that they can point to to get that answer. But on the left, since I gave you the rights um, argument, the left would argue that um, it's all, it's mostly humans that are causing global warming that we need to recycle more. We need to, um, you know, switch from pollutants, uh, you know, different types of, um, energy sources to cleaner energy. Like we use a lot of, uh, fossil fuels and that we need to get rid of the fossil fuels and go more to natural energy or, um, uh, you know, recently, which it sounds really weird to me is, is, uh, they think that cows farting, uh, relates to more global warming. I, you know, I, I don't really understand that part. Um, why they think farting? Because every human, I mean, there's like seven billion humans on Earth. Every human farts. I don't know about you, but you know, every human farts. Uh, and you know, some some humans on their diet they fart like 17 times a day, depending on their diet. So, uh, you know, I I don't know. You know, 
cow, you know, animals have been around for centuries. All the, all the animals fart too and release carbon dioxide into the, the atmosphere. So um, it doesn't really make much sense. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. But the carbon dioxide part makes sense. But what are you going to do? You're going to kill off the population. Uh, you're going to downsize the population. Uh, and they, they don't have answers to, you know, they don't have solutions or answers to these problems. They just, they just go, oh, it's this. Uh, so that's the argument on the left really is that, you know, it's more, it's, it's, it's the human's fault, right? The human consumption part of it is the biggest reason why climate is really changing and that we have to do it. It's, it's an emergency. We have to fix it now. Right. And then, by the way, they've been saying this for centuries. I don't know about you, but someone, I, I talked to someone that made an argument. Um, I think it was the, I think it was my friends. Oh, there's Bailey. You can see him in the background. I don't know what he's on. Oh, he's on the bed. But, uh, the funny thing is, um, they've been arguing. I think they, I think they were making fun of uh, the oceans rising. It's kind of funny he's in the background. Um, but the, the the whole argument with oceans, the seas are rising. California is going to be going underwater anytime now. Uh, the arguments have been made for centuries, and nothing has happened. Right? Like, not like not even like a you know nothing major has, has ever happened after they've been trying to warn you about the climate issues. Um, that that's what they were kind of making fun of. Uh, uh, some some of my friends that you know they don't they don't really think it's that big of an issue as as what they're kind of claiming it to be but um, but you know it's uh, it's up to you what you decide what's what's worth and what's not worth it uh, or what's true and what's not true uh, but my opinion really is that we're not like obviously the climate is changing but you know I honestly believe it's mostly natural climate change uh, it's not not to say that we're not causing some of the climate change. But at the same time, I don't really think we're contributing as much as the left really wants you to portray that we're actually doing, which, by the way, uh, most of that stuff was used by Hitler, right? Hitler, in order to get um, urgency going on, he tried to use climate change uh, to change the way the population of Germany 